0: Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi,
1: welcome. Today, we're talking about modifying your lawn care for clean water in Massachusetts. And we're kind of continuing from where we left off last week. And so with me, once again, are our spring semester interns, Hunter Lambert. Hunter, hello. Hello. And Isabel Ranowski. Hi, everybody. Hello, Isabel and Hunter. So, um, oh, yeah. So I want to give you a little background about where where we've gotten to uh, with this campaign, Cleaning Up Our Waters by uh, reducing the fertilizer, uh, eliminating fertilizer runoff from lawns, established lawns. And that is that last summer, um, I had two interns working for us, just much like you two, um, from, um, well, anyway, I got two of them. <laughs> and um, they did a really great job of researching uh, 345 towns in Massachusetts, uh, w- who are the conservation commissioners, How do you reach them? And we sent paper letters to 345 towns uh, explaining the situation that you could uh, eliminate nitrogen pollution from established lawns by, as we have been talking about, by only applying uh, a pound or less of slow-release fertilizer on your lawn. And um, so we just sent them out to everybody. And then we sat back and saw what happened. And six or seven communities got on the phone and called us up or emailed us, got back in touch. They were really excited about what we were doing. And the first town that called back was Belchertown near Amherst, Massachusetts. And they were calling because they had a pond or a lake there that was suffering from a harmful algal bloom and they were looking for ways to address that, and they saw this as the way to do that. I was thrilled to speak to Erica from Belchertown because that town has a greater percentage of the Quabbin Reservoir in it than any other town in Massachusetts. And the Quabbin is the source of the drinking water for greater Boston that's handled by the MWRA. And then the second town that called was West Boylston, and West Boylston has the most of the Wachusett Reservoir in it. So um, I was really thrilled that the two towns that are most of most importance to us in Boston, greater Boston, drinking fresh water, are interested in reducing their nitrogen pollution into the waterways because uh, that includes uh, perhaps our, res- our reservoirs in that in the case of those reservoirs, it's not so much streams flowing in as, um, although Swift River does go into the quadris, uh it's the, the water coming through the ground that's seeping into these two areas. And our lawn care practices, what we put on the lawn, if the grass doesn't take it up, could percolate right through the ground. It certainly does that on Cape Cod where they have sandy soils, less so where they have, <laughs> not much where they have clay soils. But um, this is an effort to not only keep clean uh, waterways, but we want to have clean groundwater so that the wells will bring up clean drinking water that hasn't been nicely polluted. Um, So when Hunter and Isabel came on board, our first step was to talk with Patrick Heron of the Mystic River Watershed Association because I told you last show How that thousands of Menhaden in Boston Harbor were chased by right fast into the Mystic River, and there, right before the Amelia Earhart Dam, was an ocean dead zone, no oxygen, maybe some toxins from the algae that was blooming there. Everything died and was just strewn across the edge of shore, pushed by a south wind. And that was the result of Yeah, we've had warm water, we've had sunlight before, but the combination of plenty of food for the algae made a difference. And in the Mystic River watershed, uh, other sources of nitrogen are uh, agriculture, but there's not a whole lot of agriculture uh, in the Mystic River watershed part of Greater Boston, and uh, septic sewage, but in these towns, um, that's all being handled by the MWRA treated on Deer Island and sounded nine miles offshore, spread out in Mass bay, so that there shouldn't be much nitrogen problems from that. Um, so, we... Um, so, Patrick told us about uh, how the nitrogen has always been a problem there, and he didn't really have indications of an increase, because it's really hard to measure, and uh, there's so many different types of sources and stuff, uh, but it is clearly a problem. Commended us for the approach we're taking, because he's in the water, looking, you know, in, in the Mystic River, and we are going
2: upstream
1: all the way to the lawns and private property, and saying, "Look, let's modify our behavior here, and it'll have these benefits for those people and animals down there in the Mystic." Uh, so we picked forty municipalities uh, for this go round, uh, starting with those in the Mystic River watershed. And then um, we're here in Cambridge, and so we tried to make it more convenient. Uh, uh, And uh, so we sent out 40 new letters, and this time we added the element of banding roundup. So they hadn't heard about that uh, in the earlier letter. But again, it's on the Ocean River. Institute stationery with a picture of the the Labrador duck and the paddle, and so people remember hearing from us if they get their snail mail at all. Um, so off we went with, uh, 40 letters and then the work began with, um, Isabel and Hunter calling up all these places, trying to get through to the person. And, um, so Isabel, how's that, uh, um, tell us more about the towns that we've talked to.
2: Yeah. So it's been going pretty well so far. We've gotten a ton of positive responses, um, so I just want to put it out there that the towns that are considering meeting with us or putting um, our project or work on their next meeting agenda are Acton, Belchertown, Belmont, Oxford, Burlington, Cambridge, Carlisle, Concord, Dan- Danvers, Dedham, Framingham, Hamilton, Lincoln, Linfield, Milton, Medford, Needham, Stoneham, Watertown, Wellesley, West Boylston, and Weston. So thank you for all those towns. And if you, if anybody's listening from those towns, you have an awesome town who has been um, pretty proactive with this stuff. The us again. What are these towns done for? Yeah, so these towns, um, it varies by town, but the thing that they all have in common is pretty much that um, they have all received our letter and they're all considering um, what we're saying there very seriously and they will either uh, follow up with wanting, with, you know, saying that they want us to come in and present our information or, um, or the individual concoms will discuss privately, um, you know, our recommendations first and then see if they want to bring us in. So those are the towns that we're making the most progress on so far.
3: What do you want to add to that? Oh, sure. Um, do we go into like individual towns? Or oh, no. Uh, um, no, that's okay.
2: Um, oh, and I also I also just wanted to say that uh, we have scheduled our first meeting already, and that is going to be in Dover, Massachusetts, the town of Dover, next Wednesday on March 27th. So,
1: right, so we'll be going before the conservation commission meeting on Dover in Dover on Wednesday, March 27th. So, if you're a Dover resident, come on down and you can meet the real in flesh, you know, Isabel and Hunter. Maybe not Hunter because you've got a BU class that night. They okay. do. So, um, your fan club will have to wait for the next <laughs> meeting. It's not on a Wednesday night. Um, so, this has been a long process of you two telephoning, you know, because most towns are trying to minimize fund their conservation commissions. Mm-hmm. And so they're not available 9 to 5. Um, and some of them give you times to call. And so you finally get through to somebody. And some of them say, This is a great idea, but we never saw the letter. And so then you have to email the letter. Or they saw the letter, but they're not set up to just hand the letter out or they don't want to, copy. They don't want to generate paper trash by printing the letter mm-hmm. for the conservation commissioners. So then you guys have been good about sending an electronic version and then following up to see if they got it because they're not going to call back when they get it. They're busy people, you know. So it's been a long process, but all of these towns, there are 22 towns in this list here, um, not counting Dover, who um, who've been talking with you two, and uh, are very interested in this process. Totally. Bravo. So let's um, let's talk about some of the individual towns. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some of the
3: more interesting exchanges that you had. Absolutely. Just a few towns. Yeah. So Hunter, give us one. Okay. So with all the positive responses, there are some. I, I can't even call them negative responses, but I am sympathetic towards these towns because there are very many that the opposite of them taking up and considering is that they don't have enough manpower to actually do it. So much what I talked about last week with uh, Wayland, I talked to um, Waltham, Waltham this week. Um, I talked to a man named Philip Moser who was very sympathetic towards our cause. And in fact, uh, he himself many years ago had stopped putting chemicals on his lawn altogether. He stopped fertilizing altogether and actually saw that using clovers on his lawn, kept his lawn green, put the nitrogen back in his lawn, and kept everything a, a nice little cycle, which is really great to hear. And he was very sympathetic. But he said, um, Waltham does not have the staff at the moment. It's a similar story to what I heard before. They don't have the staff, and they actually are one of the only municipalities in the area that does not have a wetland ordinance or bylaw. So they really don't have the infrastructure there to be able to take this on at the moment. And he said to me, in the future, when we have um, full-time staff and more staff on, even more than happy to take up this cause and take this endeavor with you guys. Right. So that's a huge victory mm-hmm. because we're out there as a resource. Yeah. And
1: I know it's going to take a while to get a majority of the towns on board with this. Yeah. They all have pressing issues to deal with and stuff.
3: That's why I'm hesitant to say like positive and negative response. Some was positive and then delayed positive. Yeah. They're just obstacles. It's, yeah. They're just they're obstacles mm-hmm. overcome and some are just, Takes the, that's why we got to go out and just
1: answer questions and address issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but others are, uh, are more substantial. Well, just like they're overwhelming, so they just Absolutely. don't have time to put it on there. Um, yeah. On the flip side, you've got people, conservation employees, who, um, conservation, you know, people working in the department, and they want to look good to their committee. And so they are thrilled when they get an outsider saying what they intuitively know all along. It gives them license to bring it forward. Uh, one of the towns that, also responded besides those two watershed towns last September was uh, Arlington. In Arlington, I went and spoke to the Arlington Conservation Commission, and the chairperson there was very much up on the Falmouth bylaw, so he knew what I was talking about, and just said, "Oh yeah, this is the Falmouth bylaw." And I had brought to the meeting a copy of the Falmouth bylaw, and uh, subsequently. Uh, they have not been pursuing the bylaw, and instead, um, he's trying to find other ways to get the people of Arlington to reduce their fertilizing to a half pound with slow release. And so I'm interested in what progress he makes about that, because the, this, the actual process of passing a bylaw is a daunting thing for a town, do, and it's not something the Con- Conservation Commission can do at all. All they can do is give the recommendation to the selectmen. Mm-hmm. And so other towns that I went to in September said, yeah, Rob, it was a great presentation, but we needed the selectmen in the audience. So why don't you come back when the selectmen, let's invite you to a CONCOM meeting. We meet every two weeks, but we want to have you at one that the selectmen can attend. Mm-hmm. Consequently, that hasn't been scheduled yet because getting selectmen to find time, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, so that's really interesting. That yeah, they're going to get this pushback about the bylaw thing, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's our job is to make it overcome those hurdles that they are bumping into. Yeah. So yeah. Well, interesting. Um, the next town here is uh, Bedford. Um, Isabel, tell us about Bedford.
2: Yeah, so I called uh, the Bedford Conservation Commission about a week ago, and I spoke to somebody there who told me that Bedford does not take up political matters. Mm-hmm. That was her response to um, our Ice Clean Water project, and she said, "Quote: The commission will not take a position on a political issue." She also emphasized that everything has to be done publicly, nothing in private although that's not what we are trying to stand for. You know, we're not trying to be shady or anything or do something without the public knowing. Um, But the crazy thing was that she said she saw the letter that we had sent, and she purposely did not give it to the commissioners because she apparently knew that they wouldn't be interested in something like this and that they wouldn't do anything about this.
3: Um,
2: But at the end, she did say that we could send the letter again, and maybe she can show it to somebody else and see what they say. But overall, she seemed very dismissive, and I thought it was strange that she called our clean water project a political matter when really it's. Yeah. You know, I think. Yeah, I don't understand. No, everyone really really
1: really wants clean water.
3: People don't want
1: dead fish because no like like to eat those fish.
3: Mm-hmm. I guess just the word bylaw made her seem. Made her think that it was political.
1: Well, we sent her a letter on Ocean River Institute stationary.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So they see this symbol of the duck and paddle stirring water. Um, we look, we are an environmental group. Yeah. And so just like the word climate change is critical, maybe the word, in Bedford, the word environment. <laughs> or Ocean
3: River Institute, I don't, you know, I think it's not like we're supporting a candidate, but supports clean lines. You know, we're, we're just educating on, on clean lines. I think. Yeah. And they, because we have a
1: nice letterhead, they think we're a well-financed environmental group that's going to be able to shame them into doing something, uh, which is, if this, this is it? this gets to the point of how we operate.
3: Mm-hmm. So the way
1: we operated was we made sure that what we were asking of the towns was something reasonable that wouldn't get them in trouble.
3: Exactly. Okay.
1: And we made sure of the science of what we were doing was true. Um, and then... We are starting, rather than just campaigning against the selectmen to make it so, we are going into conservation commissions in their public meetings and availing ourselves to answer questions. Because too often, that's right, there's some, there's some word that we use that is political, and they need to know that the word that they use is what we're talking about and not just, you know, some kind of dogma that we're trying to push in something. Uh, what's really important about our work is that we're not, and different from every other every other environmental organization. Is saying we have to get we have to replace lawns with other kinds of vegetation because lawns create so much pollution. And our point is that lawns won't pollute if you don't put too much fertilizer on them, and also that people like to have lawns are for sitting on and for walking on and for playing on. And if you tell people to get rid of their lawns, they're just, they more have to put down a patio, you know, which is not growing plants, and so that's not taking up carbon, so it's not reducing our carbon budget in the atmosphere. The way grass is better at that than is a patio. Yeah, forest is better than uh, grass, but people don't want to go out, After work and sit on a forest. They want to sit on, you know, grass or whatever. So, um, so that's really interesting about Bedford uh, response, and we're going to find communities like that. And also, so that's why we are we have launched the second phase, which is asking citizens all over the country and elsewhere to adopt a municipality in Massachusetts and sign our letter saying, please do this for your lawn, modify your lawn care accordingly, and um, and please tell us personal comments. So it's those personal comments, whether you're a resident of Dover, for example, or especially if you're a resident in Bedford, um, but also if you live in California, but you remember something about a town here, um, you know, people like to know that people, and they like to hear from people that used to Live in their town, be back in touch and stuff. So, uh, please visit our website www.oceanriver.org, and you'll see six causes. The upper left one, or if you've got a cell phone, the first one uh, is this clean water campaign. Who, um, yeah, and, and it's also the roundup. Drop you know, the roundup. So please click on that and get involved with uh, signing the letter. Uh, writing for comments, uh, about 10% of the people have time to write comments and that's of what's the most interest to, uh, uh, decision makers in the towns themselves. Although names and address, and we'll put down is what town you're writing from so that they can see, um, who's in town and who is just caring about the town. Of course, if you're writing from out of town, it would be nice to make a comment about why you're writing about that town. And they don't think that we've just glommed every one of the world together and are dumping it on individual towns. Um, so another, another town is Weston. Uh, Isabel, tell us about Weston.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, thank you, Isabel. We're going to take a short break. <laughs> we'll be right back after this break. <laughs>
4: On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. G
0: dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science
1: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
0: You are listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at one 472 5788 Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer.
1: Hi. I'm here with Hunter Lambert and Isabel Renowski, and we're talking about modifying lawn care for clean water in Massachusetts. We're going town by town and improving their behavior in the hopes that uh, the fertilizer industry will have to play like whack a mole with these different towns coming up with um, different with modifying their practices. The fertilizer industry tells us that they have the science behind telling us put down five pounds of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet per year. And the science that they're referring to is that when the grass grows, it needs nutrients. But they don't say that the nutrients have to be from their bag of fertilizer. Here in Massachusetts, we have our grass growing in dirt, where there is quite a bit of nitrogen and phosphorus, and we also have it falling out of the air. We have nitrates coming in and stuff. So... Um, but in this case, you can't fight the science because they've got a stack of science published papers uh, that uh, you could shake a stick at and they, that judges believe is predominant for evidence and stuff. So uh, we're going into this is literally grassroots in the bottom up, you know, town by town. And speaking of town by town, Isabel, um, tell us a bit about Weston and your experience in Weston, Massachusetts.
2: Yeah, so just Uh, Earlier this week, I spoke with Michelle Grisenda from the Weston Conservation Commission, who was very nice and helpful. Um, So she said that she did receive our letter, uh, but unfortunately she had forgotten to send that along to the Conservation Commission. No worries, though, because I'm glad I got to talk to her on the phone because she did advise me that there was a newly formed sustainability committee in Weston. Um, and the sustainability committee, she said, might be um, better suited to take our project on and to um, take more seriously, you know, our bylaw recommendations. So the funny thing that she said was that the Western Conservation Commission doesn't even have a wetlands law, um, and in our research, that you know, that a wetlands law is kind of. Standard for Massachusetts towns. We've seen that a lot um, already have at least some kind of wetlands law, whether or not it's related to lawn care. Um, But she also gave me the advice that if we're not getting good responses from other town concoms, we might want to see if there's a relevant committee that we could approach um, with our bylaw recommendations. Um, However, she is still going to send our letter to the commissioners as well as the sustainability committee. So, stay tuned to see um, which one might be, you know, more more accommodating to our
3: request.
1: Yeah, we should ask her to hold off on the committee because we want these sustainability committees to look good. So, another town I spoke with said the same thing. It's like we're creating this, this team. When we get it created, then let's... Because um, you want them to take responsibility for. So, you know, they... And, in fact, this other chat said that they identified that as a real problem, uh, a real opportunity, and um, but they're not ready to present it yet. So when they're ready... So this is very exciting. This means we can coordinate with them, help them look good, and uh, they can bring us to, um, to speak on behalf of, of of the committee and stuff. So uh, that's, that's bizarre that they don't have although the state wetland rules are pretty all-encompassing, so towns don't have to do additional ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Falmouth is an exception because it's got coast... It's south boundary is the Nantucket Sound waters, and its west boundary is our um, Buzzards Bay, and it's actually a triangle shape where it's got water on two sides of the triangle, and then Cape Cod is a third. So uh, no town has more salt marsh and water frontage uh, than, uh, you know, proportionate than does Falmouth. So that, that's a really exceptional town. But interesting about um, sustainability committees. I hope more tenants do that.
2: Yeah, I'm also just interested to learn possibly through future um, communications with Weston what exactly is the difference between the Conservation Commission and the Sustainability Committee? You know, what do they do differently? Um, Why would one be able to help us but not the other? And also, it's also just interesting to see how different towns do things differently. Like, some towns don't even have any committees. Some of them only have commissions or boards. It
3: would be interesting to see why they felt the need to make another committee in the first place, why they felt the need to separate the two. Yeah.
1: Well, they're not separate. So the government of the town is every town has to have a conservation commission. Yeah. And there's a the whole process of appointing commissioners. And then the committee is... Um, a part of it? The committee can, can be... Uh, I don't know how, how to constitute the committee. It could just be people appointed by... Usually it's probably appointed by the conservation commission. So anyone yeah. that goes to the commission and says, I want to be on this, um, you know, and the commissioners are saying okay you've got some great ideas why don't you guys form a committee and then work together
4: so that you're not
1: bringing separate things to us so, so it's, it's a, a great citizen participation um, way you know people want to make a difference on um, on this case land conservation issues it could be um, well sustainability so sustainability feeds back into climate change actions and everything so any town could form a sustainability committee as a way of coordinating what they're calling upon the town to do. Mm-hmm. The selectmen shouldn't, or the conservation commissioners shouldn't have to sort that out, but, um, yeah. Did that answer that question a bit? Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's, a, it's a great new development in democracy and, and town governance. Um, Wellesley um, is an interesting town. Uh, Isabel, you had the foresight to say, let's look into what towns are doing ahead of time before contacting them, and um, or at least before calling about the letter that we sent out. And so, wealthy came at your top of the radar, tell us about radar. Uh, about <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so um, before we started contacting different towns, we wanted to see if they had already had perhaps something similar to what we're advocating for. Um, So we just wanted to see if anybody had any bylaws on fertilizer use and fertilizer application. Um, And when we were looking at Wellesley, we noticed that they didn't have any specific bylaw about fertilizer application, but they did have quite a few educational materials available on their website um, for homeowners to learn about lawn fertilizer pollution and ways that they can really help out um, that problem. And also, there's also... One targeted towards um, a specific body of water in their town, so that's a good way to, you know, garner a lot of support for an issue because people in Street really do care about um, this pond called Moses Pond in their town. So, well, well, that's
1: great. Um, so you, you found three different kind of programs, mm-hmm. and um, the first one was called Don't Trash Grass. What's what's that's it, that's it.
2: Yes. So, don't trash grass. I love that name. Um, the main point here was that you should you can change the way you mow your lawn to help to help the problem of fertilizer pollution. So, it specifically recommends something that we recommend in our in our clean water process, in our letter to Con-Com, um, which is that leaving grass clippings on the lawn can really help to reduce your fertilizer use. Um, and I think that leaving your grass clippings every time you mow. Is equivalent to one pound of, of fertilizer um, per thousand square feet a year. So that really does make a difference. Um, and it's something really simple that you can do. Just you know, just leave your grass coatings on the lawn after you mow. Um, other points of advice were to keep your grass mowed to two to three inches tall, and do not remove more than one third of the grass blade in any single mowing. That's interesting. Um, mow the grass when it's dry. And it also had some recommendations about um, when to apply fertilizer and how much you should use. And this, this specific fact sheet also actually had our exact recommendation of applying a half pound of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet of fertilizer. Of fertilizer. Yeah, half pound of nitrogen fertilizer per 1,000 square feet of lawn.
1: Yeah, that was great. And, um, and it talked about slow living. living. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes, it actually did, too. Um, it did recommend soil released nitrogen, which is also labeled water-insoluble nitrogen. Yeah. So, um, if you see that at your, at your local store where you go get fertilizer, um, you know that that is also going to mean soil release nitrogen, and that's the one that you should be looking for.
1: It's really hard to find soil released nitrogen fertilizers. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it in my school. I live in Somerville, so we're not a mecca of lawns or anything, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I couldn't find it, so I wrote to Scott and said, hey, I want the solar least nitrogen for my fertilizer. I good, you, you know, I want to buy your product to do this in my lawn. And they said, no, you have to buy our fast-burning, you know, high-octane fertilizers. Um, so good for them for, for, uh, don't don't trash the grass program, exactly, for making uh, these clear steps that are all in the right direction. Um, and just doing some of them makes a big difference. Doing all of them is so much the better, though. Um, so there's a uh, concern around uh, Morse's Pond?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, Morse's Pond in Wellesley is suffering from a really, really big problem, um, which is that poor, wa- poor water quality in Morse's Pond is being caused by excess plant food. Wellesley has come out and stated that that is really the number one cause of the poor water quality in that pond. Um, so what's happening is that nutrients are causing the algae to bloom there. Um, so reducing fertilizer will have a beneficial impact on the pond. Wellesley says that practicing smart lawn care, they say this explicitly, is the best way, the best thing residents can do to help save Morse's pond. Um, and specifically, they outlined a few steps again to as to what smart lawn care practices are. Um, so first up, we have plant hardy grass that uses little fertilizer and water mow high again and keep mower blades sharp leave grass clippings leave grass clippings in place um maintain healthy soil ph use watershed friendly techniques and don't over
3: fertilize your lawn this is a little close to home for you too because morris's pond is right next to your campus right
2: yeah yeah morris's pond is really close to wellesley college um... And I know that people people sometimes even go swimming there, I think, mm-hmm. um, and fishing. So, yeah, it is definitely a recreational area, and, you know, people people like Morse's Pond and they care about it.
3: It'd be interesting to see what Wellesley College is doing in terms of, like, their fertilizer practices and if they're following this education program. Because I'm sure they're a huge contributor because they're right alongside of it, you
2: know? Yeah, Wellesley College has so many lawns and, like, <laughs> just, spaces. like, open spaces. Yeah, like, open green spaces, and um, I hope that they're doing something good. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: sure they are. What happens is that uh, town lawns, you know, like soccer fields and, and town lawns, and the same with colleges and universities, is they only feed their grass when it's hungry. They don't want to waste any pennies on expensive fertilizer getting washed into the waterways. So it's only these lawns that the fertilizer industry is um, faking us, what's the word, um, duping us into thinking we have to put down five pounds per 1,000 square feet. I mean, the science of putting on the bag, fertilizer Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, Fourth of July weekend, you know, how scientific is that? And if you put down 5.1 pounds, or more than one pound an application, it burns the gas. So this is a maximum amount, mm-hmm. and they're able to, you know, come to the homeowner and say, if you don't spend the money on your property, it's going to go down in value until the homeowner is snookering into, into following this. And so that's why we're calling for a bylaw. If it's short of a bylaw, the industry is going to say, oh, the town doesn't know what they're talking about, and you've got to do it this way. But on the flip side, I'm sure that the university and the town, probably So all we're asking is people to treat their lawns as well as the towns and golf courses do, which is when they feed the grass, when it's hungry, and they make sure that all of the fertilizers go through the grass plants and not just wash away. So that's a good point. Um, so did, did we talk about the commitment cards that they put together?
2: Um, no, we haven't talked about that okay, about great. yet. But, yeah, that's next. So, Wellesley's Natural Resources Commission, which is their CONCOM, has created something called the Pond Health Commitment Card, and what that commitment card does is it encourages residents to take action on pond and watershed protection, Um, and there are just a list of actions that you can take, and some of them are related to fertilizer use, so I'll just list them off. Um, Number one is that I will ask my lawn care company which products are used on my lawn, so this one's important because, you know, you, don't, you want to be an educated consumer. Um, you should know what you're putting on your lawn, and you have the right to know. So, you know, if you get an answer that, you, that your lawn care company is using something harmful on your lawn, you know, that's, that's something you want to know, and that's, when you get that information, that's something that you can um, be proactive about and try to change that. That's right.
1: If you have dogs or pets or children... You, you're very concerned about what are the chemicals. Please name for me the chemicals, and then you can look up the effects and they can tell you the effects and so forth. Exactly. That's
2: a good one. Yeah. So number two is I will talk to my neighbors about reducing fertilizer and pesticides on their lawns. That's great, spreading information. Um, number three, I will install a rain barrel at my house. A rain barrel?
1: A no. rain barrel, yes. Collect water off the roof. Um, so the second one, pesticides,
2: it includes herbicides. Yes, it includes herbicides. Um, number four, I will adopt a storm drain near my house and keep it free of debris. Um, and the last one, I will replace part of my lawn with native plants for pollinators. So there's a variety of things you can do, a variety of ways to um, take action on pond and watershed health, um... And, yeah, you know, not all of them are too hard to do, so...
1: Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure to build your own storm drain, but yeah. I think what that means is put a settling place, you know, where the runoff water can go to. So, if you've got, you know, downspouts from... Oh, I've got a, a, one of those rain barrels, but I forget to go to it when watering the plants, and yeah. so at the end of the year, <laughs> I turn it on and drain it out <laughs> so it doesn't freeze in the wintertime. And... um so, uh, a storm drain means you have, like, a, a pebble area where the water can go back into the ground instead of getting onto the sidewalk, getting onto the street, and just running down the street to the storm drain or yeah. something like that. Um, obviously, if you have wells, you want to have water going back into the well. And if your house is close to Boston, it may be tied into the NWA septic system. And so, you've got all this water leaving the watershed. Um, so certainly um, water off your roof is stuff to put back into the ground. Isn't that interesting? So Pond Health Commitment Card, things you can do. To, and it, it's just for this Morse's Pond, but there are lessons there for all of us. Thank you, Isabel. Yeah. Um We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, Hunter's going to tell us about um, when he actually talked to Wellesley, what he found out. Thank you.
0: Partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and
4: science. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, Please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate the number four oceans.org.
1: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7.
0: listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at one 472 5788 Again, that's one 472 5788 You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi. We're talking about
1: modifying lawn care for clean water in Massachusetts and what we're talking about here in the towns of Massachusetts could be applied to other towns but we're starting here and then hopefully uh, others will listen and follow suit so we'd like help for listeners outside of Massachusetts who have any attachment real or imagined to a town or city in Massachusetts to uh, join with us in uh, Helping to modify their lawn care practices for clean water and um, no more Roundup uh, pollutants that's so harmful to people because it bioaccumulates and stuff. Uh, so, we've been talking about the town of Wellesley and they have a lot of um, good education programs, good publications of don't trash the grass, how to preserve their local pond, and a pond health commitment card. And so, after Isabel did so much good research. Um, Hunter called to follow up on the letter we sent. And Hunter, how did that conversation go?
3: Yeah, I talked to someone from the Wellesley Conservation Commission office probably two or three weeks ago. I think it was actually one of the first rounds of calls we made. Um, and when I called and talked about um, our letter and our clean water project, uh, she informed me that it was to her understanding that they already had something in place that um, took control over for fertilizer bylaw and that they were already working on Something to protect the wetlands. And when she said that to me, I said, wow, that's that's incredible. Like, I, I'm assuming that she knows more about me than Wesley because she is working there. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I was like, wow, that's incredible. Um, it's great. Like, I'll, I'll look into it. Like, it's, that's good to know. But after hanging up the song, we've been looking into it and we can't seem to find mm. anything on it yet. I don't, I believe that there definitely is something in place because I believe she would know what she was talking about, but maybe there's not any literature posted yet, but it is something to look into. I'm interested to call her back and ask for specifics. Now that I'm more informed, I think I can go and call her and ask her about, um, the actual program that she was talking about. Right.
1: Excellent. And you know,
3: this is their work. And so they like talking about
1: it. It's fun to get calls from people like you.
3: Uh-huh.
1: And, um, yeah, well,
3: that's kind of a mystery. Um, it's interesting to see how they attempted the whole fertilizer problem because each town is different. It's kind of nice to be like when you're talking to one town, being like, well, I know Wellesley did this. Because like, yeah. they're actually going through it. We're suggesting things, but these towns are actually going to go through it and go through the process. So it would be interesting to kind of have a more personal take on what a town does. You know? Yes, exactly. And, you know, sometimes they do some
1: steps, and, but they make it a bylaw, then that's a big deal. And so yeah. it's like, well, okay, we have done that for you know for a while and um, um, but if you know we now have this new element about banning roundup mm-hmm. and people are concerned about that. So we've done our due diligence in talking to th- to Wellesley ahead of time. Now um we can bring them letters from people interested specifically in Wellesley that say, please address banning Roundup a half pound instead of whatever they have of slow-release nitrogen. Or maybe it's what they have. Yeah. But at least um, we're giving them a heads-up of these conversations so that they can then respond to the, the, the demands that are coming through. Everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested to talk to her again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that'll be interesting. Um, stay tuned for our ongoing conversations <laughs> with Wellesley as Hunter fathoms the depth of their lawn care preservation, their uh, elimination of uh, pollutants. Absolutely. Um, so let's, um, let's see. So that, we did well, right? Yep. And um, we're, we're going to, um, you know, just keep making those phone calls and just keep getting through to people and, and finding out new stuff. Um, I guess the Dover meeting is in, two weeks, so we won't be able to report on that next week, but the week after, we'll have news on that. And uh, so... Oh, it is next Wednesday. It's, it's tough
3: Wednesday, yes. yeah.
1: So come Thursday... We'll
3: have something. We'll have something. I'm excited to hear, too, because I, I won't <laughs> yeah. be there. So. so tune in. Oh, that's right. You can tune in. To what? I'll be excited to be News <laughs> to me. So you'll be here for the radio show, so you'll be Absolutely. sitting right here.
1: That, that's great. So we... Would really appreciate some help from more people than the three of us. And the way you do that is visit our webpage, www.oceanriver.org, that's one word, oceanriver.org, and um, join our causes page. So when you, flip, when you click on the uh, Stop the Destruction of Our Waterways and Help Take Down Roundup page, um, You'll see there uh, the, the situation as researched and presented by Isabel Hunter here, mostly. And um, y- there's a, a page to click on for more information about Roundup, including uh, your recipe for, um, you know, in homemade- what's the recipe again for those?
2: <laughs> so it's a gallon of white vinegar mixed with one, one cup of salt and one tablespoon of dish soap. So
1: you use that instead of Roundup. And your hands will be happier, and your body won't be polluted with this bioaccumulating chemical that has caused non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in yeah. you know, yeah. a grounds worker. Yeah. Um, guilty. Guilty. So um, we want to get away from that. So, yeah. So you'll see pages that Isabel put up. And then, Hunter, you've got a couple of pages or a
3: page on um, the slow release action for Leslie. Yeah.
1: So be Become savvy. And then click on the uh, letter where we've drafted a cover letter and about what we're asking of a town. So, Deer wealthy, or whatever town you care about. Um, if you care about two towns, you can go back and fill out a different one. Um, and what's really important is um, is writing
3: those comments. Absolutely, yeah. No, I know this whole process we're calling towns and calling towns, it would be nice to actually hear from people in those towns to give people that, because I know I care about this issue, but it's also nice to hear that people in these towns also come up this issue and also want change. Yeah. Like, I feel like this make it more personal, make it more real, and also show support for this cause. That apart from just us you can say, hey, look, these people want it too, you know. Exactly. It's an opportunity
1: for you to say, hey, I'm an established lawn and I don't fertilize it. It's just fine, you know, and, and it's good to know that maybe the Grass cuttings helped, or something, or I didn't know I had to leave the grass cutting. Yeah, I'm. Thank you for that, and this is good. Um, we can also, uh, read some of those comments on the air next week, or whatever you write in. Um, you know, I pick, you know, the top ten or fifteen comments, or something, um, to to share because it's really it it that's really valuable that uh, people of the town. And express why it's important to them because they that resonates as they speak the local language basically, so it resonates with real instead of having a bunch of science speak coming in about nitrogen and phosphorus, you know, just call it nutrients or mm-hmm. fertilizer or whatever you choose to call that stuff. <laughs> but it just sounds more genuine when it's absolutely uh, local uh,
3: the local people know more about the area than me, yeah. we would. Yeah, you can look up all you want, but so we don't live there. No, So they'll know, well, it's just it'd be nice to have their input.
1: Yeah, and um, local people will say, well, that's not my town. My town has got the worst soil in the world, so I must fertilize five times a year because of those pine needles that fall down Mm -hmm. or something. You know, pine needles will increase the acidity of the soil, but as um, uh, Isabel found in her Wellesley study, they're saying you just put some lime down you know, or to compensate to sweeten the soil after the the, the leaves and the, and the and the pine, you know, and that's not the same as spreading fertilizers because uh, it doesn't uh, algae won't grow on limestone. You know, that's yeah. not what they want for for blooming. And this is our goal: is to have green lawns, but also um, uh, clean water. And mostly, it's for the clean water. People need to understand that what they do on their private property has an impact on, um, uh, you know, on properties outside of, waterways and waterways. Absolutely. I think,
3: like, that goes back to the point of um, the commitment card. That is what we talked about. Like, the, the third or second or third one was talk to your neighbor. Tell yeah. your neighbor about this because just because you're doing it on this lawn, your neighbor's lawn is also going to affect you too, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good something.
1: People could write about Isabelle's. They could kind of write for their town. What are their steps or something?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, what else are they doing in addition to, you know, listening to what we're saying and, um, yeah, and just being educated about the issue is one thing, but it's also, you know, going out there and actually, what actions are you taking to fix this problem?
3: (laughs) This doesn't just include people that have lawns. There are people that live in places that will be affected by lawn fertilization but may not have a lawn themselves because I know I live in a big apartment, dorm building, but I still care that the people around me are not going to pollute the river that I live next to. Right. I have no way to uh, have any say other than this, other than doing my part in this way. Right. You you don't have a lawn to fertilize or not fertilize,
1: but you don't want to see dead menhaden and dead striped bass. Belly up in, in the local waterway and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and this is so easy. We're saving people time and money by not fertilizing. And when we use slow release nitrogen, you're also helping the roots grow deeper, be healthier, and you're, you're helping the microbes living in the soil. Um, Harper uh, Huncher was explaining earlier that it's the coating that slows down the release of the nitrogen that uh, seems to benefit if you use the right kind of soil release. Our mm-hmm. uh, benefits the microbes in our soil. We all want healthy soils. so yep. anything we can do to rejuvenate our soils all the better. You know, we filled the full hour. We've run out of time. So um, I want to thank Isabel. Thank you, Isabel.
2: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
1: and we'll keep up the work. <laughs> we'll keep issuing the paychecks. <laughs> and, and Hunter, we'll back next week. we'll be back next week. And for all of you listening. Uh, please, thank you for listening. Please take care of yourself. And then take a moment. I usually say take care of the planet, but also think of taking care of lawns so that they we can have lawns without polluting water. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then.